Amen. I want to take it just a second as we get started today. Um, as we were worshiping, we were taking those moments in worship to declare who God is. And, um, and I just want to take a few seconds to lift his name up in this house just one more time. Um, can you just do it seated? That's all right. But just with everything you have, give God a praise one more time in this place. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. I love that, that the walls come down. All those songs, man, they just get me going, you know. When I, when I think about God, I just, I want to say things like he's a way maker, you know. He's a burden breaker. Come on, somebody, you know. He's the one that brings peace to every storm. Yet, I still face chaos. <laughs> I'm just being honest, you know. It's like I can declare all that God is in my life, and I can just, man, go off on that. And I do. Because that's what good things about worship is, is that we can, in spite of what we're going through, we can put on our lips life instead of death, hope instead of, instead of, of, of defeat. We can put on our lips that. But if you're anything like me, and that's maybe just a little not normal, I don't know, but I would say this, you still at times face chaos. Things get swirling around, things get crazy, your heart gets heavy, your mind doesn't know exactly what to do next. Am I alone in this room? I haven't preached in a couple weeks, so I'm coming with all the barrels today. All the barrels. Both barrels? Four barrels? I'm coming with double barrels. Yeah, there you go. And really, when you think about the chaos, really, I, I want to kind of demystify chaos, because chaos seems kind of like, like something that superheroes deal with, right? You know, it's like chaos. I want to kind of bring it down to the word stress. Everybody say stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make a little more sense than just, well, I don't know if I'm in chaos. You are if you let stress overcome you over too long. You'll be in chaos quick. Amen? And so we want to deal with that today, looking at what it looks like to escape stress in our life. What does it look like? Now, when we started this series, it's hard to believe it's been, this is our fifth week and final week in this series. When we started this series, we were looking at anxiety, and I told you by the end, I'm going to book in this series, and we're going to give some real practical things today when it comes to dealing with stress. And so I want to kind of get in this, let's just look at the definition of stress real quick. It's pressure or tension exerted on a material object. So that's what stress is. You got pressure, you got tension. This maybe brings it home to us a little bit easier, a little better. A state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from raising teenagers. Somebody got a teenager in the house. Resulting from being married, resulting from having too much finances. Everybody wants some of what I got. Or not having enough finances, you know, I need some of what you got. It doesn't matter when it comes down to it. It's a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. And when it comes to this term stress, it's not a use that it term for scientists because it's such a highly subjective phenomenon that it defies definition. Yes, we can define it like that. But if I say what stresses you, it's going to be different than what stresses me. It's, it's, the way I react to stress is going to look different than the way you react to stress. It's kind of in some ways nebulous. In the term stress, the way it's currently used, it was in 1936 that Hans Seal, he said it this way. He defined the way we look at stress as the nonspecific response of the body to any demand for change. So there's a need for change, and it's causing us to have some sort of response in our physicality. Our mind is overwhelmed, and it's manifesting in our, everybody touch yourself, see, in your body. That's right. It's manifesting somewhere, you know. And so that non-specific response can come out as headaches. How many get headaches when you get stressed? Yeah, okay, all right, all right. Or a sense of, 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 of anxiety. How many get kind of amped when you get stressed? Because you got to get it fixed. We're going to get it done. Whoa. You kind of get a little bit more hyped, you know. <laughs> I saw people looking over at their spouses. <laughs> that's you, baby. That's you. Other people go on the opposite extreme of that. And it's not anxiety. It's not like hyperness. It, it, it goes into melancholy. You start to get... Is that me? Boy, yeah. vey. Hello? What have I done? I don't understand. I cannot use machinery. And I have stress. I'm good. And I have stress because of it. Test, test, check. All right, there we go. 
So when it comes down to it, this idea of stress, it manifests for some in anxiety. For others, it will manifest in melancholy. You know, you get stressed and you kind of get depressed. You kind of become isolated. You, you, you hold back. For other people, you know, our English word, we'd say anxiousness. I have a friend that calls it agita. My, one of my favorite old words is spilkus. You all, you all know you want to say that. Say spilkus. That's just, what is that? It's like Yiddish for like, like anxiety. Like, I got the spilkus. Hey. You know? So when it comes down to it, everybody it manifests different ways. And, and, and our usual response to stress is this, though. It's not to like just deal and find healing, it's just to keep moving forward, you know? So we feel the stress, we feel what's going on. I can't deal with this right now. I'm just gonna keep moving forward. This is just a season I'm in. How many said that before? Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel it, it's just a season I'm in, you know? So we keep pressing, we keep pushing through. You know, it'll, it'll be worth it when I get to the other side of this. When, when I get past this, it'll be worth it all. All this stress will be worth it when I get to the other side. The all right? Because when it comes down to stress, it is one of the major influencers in heart attacks, strokes, kidney disease, rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, you might get to the other side of this. It just might not get there with your heart beating. Man, God doesn't want that for his people. And I'm going to tell you right now, this whole sermon, I am a chief culprit. Look at your pastor. I'm horrible at all of this. I'm just being honest. You know, when I'm preaching this today, it's like, oh, my gosh. I, I just should sit there, hand the mic to somebody and say, preach the notes I have up there because I need it more than y'all. Amen. I do, I do. And so when it comes down to stress, I want to show you a couple things I think are neat. Um, and we're going to get to the word. We're going to get to a lot of word today. But here's the thing. In stress in manufacturing, okay, because there's a point of stress like this, how much pressure, how much stress until this fails, there is a test. They call it the HALT, H-A-L-T test. And it's the Highly Accelerated Life Test. Highly accelerated life. I think too many of people of God live highly accelerated lives. Going so fast, maybe they're having a hard time catching up to what God wants to do in their life. You know? But here's what the HALT techniques are. They're important in uncovering many of the weak links of a new product. These discoveries, they test rapidly and they find weaknesses using accelerated stress conditions. And so those HALT tests, as they're trying to accelerate the life expectancy of something, a product, if you ever go to Ikea, you'll see a machine and it's laying on the bed, laying on the bed, laying on the bed, or it's sitting in the chair, sitting in the chair, sitting in the chair. And it'll do it over and over. It's trying to show you the product's quality. But at one point, they did that until the product broke. There is a breaking point. And with that HALT test technique, it's called test to fail. Everybody say that, test to fail. And so that product is tested until failure. In other words, we're going to test this to see how long it takes before this product breaks. And here's the problem when it comes to us. You know what? It's almost like we live our lives like a test to fail procedure. And we're going to test and just see if, how far and how long we can go until our health breaks. Let's just push this and see how far we can go until our marriages break. You know what? I'm just going to continue and continue and continue until I have a financial breakdown. You know? I'll go and I'll go until relationships are strained and relationships are breaking. I'll, I'll go and go. I, I just want to see what I'm made of. And that's not the reason why we do it. We just won't take time enough to deal with stress in a healthy way so that God can get us in a place where the chaos is diminished and we can begin to walk in what God has for us. Not more than God has for us. That'd be quenching the Holy Spirit. Not, not less than God has for us. That'd be grieving the Holy Spirit. No, no, but walking right in what God has for us. I am a Holy Spirit quencher. I am a Holy Spirit griever. Why? Because I do not manage my stress well. And I want the Holy Spirit to have his way in my life. Amen? I want the Holy Spirit to have his way in my church, in my family, and in my health. If that's the case, i got to learn to escape the chaos. If that's the case, I have to learn to escape the stress. 
And so let's look what the scripture says about this in Philippians. Open your Bibles to Philippians 4 and let's stand to our feet as we look at the word of God today. And um, with this, I told you we began the series and every part of the series has come out of the book of Philippians because Philippians is a book on how to mandate your mind. That's the place where stress gets us. How to mandate our thinking to line up with what God's word is telling us. And so with that, I've had us reading Philippians this whole month. I want us to look at Philippians 8, Philippians 4 verse 8. And he's kind of winding things down, Paul is. And he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Man, when I read those things, I don't, I don't sense edginess in those. You know, I, don't, I don't sense that, that test to fail in those. There's a sense of wholeness and completeness that God is trying to get our minds around. It says if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Have that cause to pause, pull back, and let these things be those things which mandate your thinking, which hold you fast in the midst of the storm, because you will go through storms. You will go through chaos, but what holds us fast in the midst of those things? And then it says in verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So the things that you've learned the last four weeks and today, practice these things. The things that Philippians... I'm not sure if you've been doing it. That first week we read through the first chapter for every day for a week. And the second and the third and so on. I'm not sure if you've been doing that. But those things that you see Paul speaking to us about under the unction of the Holy Spirit as he wrote, practice these things. And if you do, and and I love that because when the God of peace, when Jesus was with his disciples in the midst of the storm, he was in the midst of the storm. I'm not saying this keeps us from stressful stuff. It just helps us understand how to manage our stress. Jesus was in the midst of the storm, and he said, peace, be still. And that storm had to obey. And I declare, let's pray in the name of Jesus right now in this house. There's some chaos in people's lives, and we declare in Jesus' name over this house, peace, be still. Lord, help us to lean into you, the God of peace. And when our mind wants to wander and our mind wants to go to a place that that causes our feet to follow and it produces more more anxiousness and agita, Lord, all those things, Lord God, that when our mind goes there, that, Lord, our mind would be stopped by the word of the Lord and that your peace would come up over us and that the practical things we learn today would be put in motion. And, Lord God, you would help us in the midst to escape from our stress and our chaos. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have your seats. As you're taking your seats, we had began this series a month ago, and we were looking at the prophet Elijah. I told you we would end this series looking at the prophet Elijah. Elijah, I think, is a good example just in the sense that he was doing great things for God. He, he was living a, a righteous life. He was walking after the precepts of God when he thought nobody else was, really. That was part of his issues. He, he thought he was alone in this fight, and he's moving forward. But we can see that Elijah would retreat, and at times it was good, and at times it wasn't great. And, and I want to show you something I think is really neat, because my whole upbringing was always the idea that Elijah missed what God desired and was punished and was removed from ministry so that Elijah could carry on what Elijah couldn't. Did anybody else hear it taught sort of that way before growing up? Yeah, 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 yeah. A few, few of us. Yeah, definitely. It was always because of the failure of Elijah. <clears throat> and I want to show you, no, no, I think Elijah had some things right. That's why God kept visiting him. I think God, that Elijah had some things in play, and God used it to create a great ministry that was handed off when it was time to be handed off. And so I just want to go back to looking at Elijah. We're going to look here at Elijah 19, verse 3, and we'll, we'll continue on down probably almost the next 10 chapters or so. No, not, maybe not that much, but we're going to look at a lot today. Elijah, he has been threatened with his life. If you don't know the story, the prophets of Baal have come up against Elijah, the prophet of God, and the prophet of God won in the midst of this, this, this battle on this Mount Carmel. And when all was said and done, even though there was victory, 
was the God, Jehovah God. God, Elijah's God, was the one that showed himself real. Even though, man, Elijah came under great fear and distress because of the wicked queen Jezebel. She begins to chase after. She, she sends an emissary, and the word goes to Elijah that he is going to be, he's going to be killed. And there's a sense in Elijah, I think, of this. He's afraid of what's next. I think a lot of time with stress, you're just afraid of what's next. If, if I don't keep pushing, what will happen? What's next? If I don't make it happen, what will happen? What's next? I know everybody's gunning for me. If I don't at work, push and push, what's next? Have you ever felt that way before? Just what's next? If I don't get everything, the, the ducks in a row, just right, everybody say what's next? And I think when it came to Elijah, he's afraid of what's next. They have declared that they're going to kill him. And in verse 3, he was afraid. He arose. He ran for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and he sat down under a broom tree. Sitting down under a broom tree. Not a bad thing. Amen? Not a bad thing at all that he would be able to take a moment, sit down, begin to process some of this stuff. Now watch what happens. He is processing, and as he processes, he realizes where his heart really is and the darkness of where his heart is. And he says, I want to die. Is it not enough now, Lord? Just take my life. I'm no better than my father's. I mean, he's ready to die. And it says that he laid down and he went to sleep under the broom tree. And here's what I love. We're going to see two different places where Elijah kind of took rest. And as he took rest, God visited him. God did not punish him. Come on, somebody. As he took rest, God visited him. God didn't punish him. That's, I need to hear that. Because for me, I want to do for God, do for God, do for God. I don't want to take rest. God, I don't want to be not, not doing what you need me to do. Not like you need me to do anything. And so we see here, Elijah's taking rest, and an angel comes, and the angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Ooh, I love God. He said, wake up and get your grits on. That's my Jesus. Verse 6, and he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate, and he drank, and he laid down again. Sounds like he's depressed right? He's going through some stuff. And so he lays down, depressed. I want to die. God begins to visit him. Get up and eat. Okay, I'm going to get up that way. I'm going to eat. And I'm going to go back to sleep some more. How many's ever dealt with stress that way? Anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. Goes on. It says in verse 7, and the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. For the journey is too great for you. And I love that. I'm not done with you yet, God is saying in the midst of this. I've got plans for you. Maybe he's saying to you, I have plans for your finances, plans for your marriage, plans for your health, whatever it is. I'm not done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may be at that point of test failure. Almost ready to break. It's, it's about over. And God's visiting, saying, I have plans for you. you got to eat. you got to get some rest. Because I'm about to take you on a journey. About to do something next in your life. That's what's next. Not death, but life. Amen? And so he rose, he ate, and I love this. He went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. And so we can see with Elijah a little bit of a rhythm to dealing with stress. And I'm not going to teach into this too deep. I just want you to kind of see this little bit of rhythm. He went to sleep. Guy sleep's a good thing. I'll talk about that a little bit more later in the talk, Okay. And then he got up. You can't sleep all the time. If you're going through it, I told you guys that first summer here, I got under depression. It was the first time in my life I had ever faced depression. And my wife is just like, you got to wake up. I don't want to wake up. I just wanted to sleep for about 30 days. I felt like that's all I did was just do what I needed to do and find rest and just sleep. You know, I was avoiding everything I wanted to avoid, and I just was doing it through that. So, no, you can't just sleep. You got to get up. I love that he got up, it's daytime, he's up and he's in the sunlight. You got to get out, you know? And then, I know I'm stretching this, but we see that, that he went in the eat and the drink. He went in the food that was provided for him. And in that strength of eating and, and drinking, he went 40 days in that strength. You got to exercise. I just stretched that. 
I'm stretching it for my sake. Lord, I need to exercise. But you need to be active, amen? And so for him, for Elijah, you kind of see a process of how he's dealing with this. And I love that God keeps interacting. I know it's the angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord keeps interacting with him while he's going through, my dad would call it the mully grumps. Anybody heard that term before, the mully grumps? It was just, he's down, he's melancholy, and God keeps visiting his heart. And in doing so, he's sleeping, he's waking up, he's eating, he's hearing the next point of the journey. And then we see him take off, and he begins to journey yet again. And, and for 40 days. And I'll get back to this. So keep your hand in chapter 19, and we'll come back to verse 9 in a little bit. You have to listen to me. If we're going to have any chance of escaping stress, we're going to have to get in tune with ourselves, okay? Now, this sounds a little like humanism, and before we finish it, you're going to see that, no, God, our creator, created these humans. He created us, and we do need to understand where we're at as humans, amen? As human beings, not human doings. we got to be able to pull back and understand where we're at at different times. And so I want to kind of put on the flip that idea of halt, all right, we looked at that earlier, and I want to look at the halt techniques, a different kind of halt techniques that are important in uncovering many of the weak links of a new product. We saw that, but let's flip that. Another way we can view the acronym HALT leads us to a tool for relieving stress and anxiety. And what that HALT is, we'll put it on the screen, it's HALT. It's, it's hungry, angry, lonely, Tired. These are four measurements that we need to be in tune with our own selves because they are markers at times of stress that we're going through, okay? And so let me walk through this. The theory behind the HALT acronym is that whenever we are feeling stressed, depressed, or depleted, we can stop. Everybody say HALT. Yeah, yeah. We can stop and we can ask ourselves if we're hungry, if we're angry, if we're lonely, if we're tired, and then once we get those answers, we can take actions to remedy the situation. Does that make sense? So you start to feel depleted, you start to feel depressed, you start to feel that anxiety, I'm going to, everybody say halt. I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna ask myself these questions. And the reason why is because when our bodies aren't feeling well, our minds will start to feel a little crazy too. You know? Kind of starts physically. But it works itself into everything, you know. And so I want us to look at these four things. Hungry, you know. The idea of hunger. Some people, when they face stress, they don't eat. How many people in the room, you don't eat when you face stress? Okay, anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm jealous of you. <laughs> Obviously, this is not my problem. All right. And so when it comes to it, I'm on the opposite side, and it still plays in because when you feel stressed, you feel hungry. You know, it's a different kind of hunger for me. I want to be satiated. I want to feel relief. And so when I say eat, I mean eat consistently for those that are in the room that struggle. Do like the angel. Get up, eat. Come on, eat. You know, do like the angel's telling us here. Wake up and get something in your belly. So that you can go with the strength of it. So eat consistently. Even if you don't feel it, put it on a schedule. You know, you're feeling stress. Ask yourself, am I hungry? Yeah, I am. And if I am, I'm going to put myself on a schedule of what I need to eat. On the opposite side, it's not just eat consistently. It's eat consciously. Because I can do the opposite. I feel stress and, oh, I want the endorphins that come from eating poorly. Because how many know some endorphins will go off in your mind? I'm serious. Woohoo! You know? Man, I don't know what it is. I'm telling you right now. Those little burritos, they'll talk to you. I'm saying, the venga aquí, por favor. You know, it's like, come on over here, baby. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on it, you know? And so you, those endorphins are just, you're just looking to find a little bit of release. And so with that, when it comes down to it, eat consistently, but also eat consciously. Conscious eating is important because some things you put into you make you feel worse. You're feeling horrible, and you load up on a bunch of sugar, and it feels really great for a second, and then you spike, and then you drop, and now you feel awful, and you think it's your situation. No, it's your blood sugar, you know? But don't you know the devil will lie to you and tell you it's your situation? Look how bad it is. Look how awful you feel. Yes, you are having, you're almost in a diabetic coma. All right. 
So hungry. Number two, angry. You know, when it comes down to, am I angry? You're feeling that stress, that tension. Am I angry about something? And if you ask yourself that, God's showing me, am I angry about something? And God starts to put his finger on something. Yes, you're holding bitterness and anger. You know, rage about something, you know. Find a way to release that. It might be that you need to talk to the person. That may be the worst thing you could possibly do is talk to the person. Just recently, somebody had held a lot of anger, and I explained to them to just write it bitter. I'm going to give you an exercise. Write it down. That's your homework this week. Write everything down that you're feeling so bitter and angry about. And, and for months, would come into the service and just a wreck, just a wreck because of this anger she's holding on to. I said, just write it down. And, and, and I'll tell you what to do next week. And so she came back the next week and said, okay, what do I need to do? And it just so happened to be in the Jewish calendar, the, 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 the Day of Atonement that week. And, and something that's kind of a, a, a neat thing that happens on the week before Atonement is something called Rosh Hashanah. And they do a thing where they'll, they'll cast bread over on the water and let sins and hurts and stuff just go away with the water. It's just kind of a, an act, you know, of, 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 of the will, but they put their heart to it, you know? It's called a tashlik. And I, I told her, I said, you know what? That week when she said, what do I do with it? I go, find some water, and I'm going to have you a litter, okay? <laughs> I want you to have a really good time with the Lord and pray and release this and tear it up and just throw it on the water. And as you see it go, let it go. There's no magic in that. But she, God used that just to bring strength to her, you know. The next week I saw her at church, man, she just was full of hope, you know. And so I would say, whatever needs, you need to do to release it, release it. Go talk to the person. Some, some would say if you have so much anger built up and you can't deal with it with the person, you can't fix it. You just need to release it. Go to the gym. Go for a run. Maybe write in a journal, you know. Pray. We'll talk about that at the end of the talk here today. Pray. Take some time with the Lord, you know. Um, 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 my, my sister, God love her, my sister, for whatever reason, breaking a glass makes her feel really good. And, and she'll go to Goodwill, and, or she'll go to thrift uh, garage sales. My sister has her breaking stack. And behind her house, there's a spot where if she just needs to feel that, ugh, she'll just, rather than doing it to her children or her husband, or her parishioner, she's a pastor's wife too, she will go out there and she'll take that mug and just feels good. It's like punching a pillow or punching a, a speed bag, you know, it's just something to let that, 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 that pressure off, you know? So that's anger. How about this? You, you, you ask God to help you understand what you're feeling. You start to just feel, I'm all alone, like Elijah. I just nobody knows what I'm going through. And you feel that sense of loneliness. And so in that moment, Man, seek connection, not isolation. We told you that first Sunday of the series, do the opposite. Remember that DTO, do the opposite? In this moment, I want to be alone, but I know I need to be connected. And so be connected. Lean into somebody. You can't go through it all alone. And then the final one is tired. You know, I feel tired. Your Sarah, that tiredness is a result of stress. You know, it can get to the point where your serotonin levels, everything is so depleted that it's hard to even produce energy. And it's just, it's just uh, I have a friend who went through adrenal failure because of this. I know a few pastor friends that have gone through adrenal failure. Their, their system is constantly pushing out um, 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 oh, adrenaline, 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 adrenaline to keep them going, to keep them going. And all of a sudden, they can't sleep enough. There's nothing they can do to get, they're in failure. They have went to the test to failure, and they have failed. They broke themselves. It took a long time for them to find healing, you know? And so there's a reason that sleep deprivation has been used throughout the centuries as a form of prisoner torture. You know that, right? There's a reason for it, because we need sleep. The rhythms of rest, they are literally woven into the fabric of our universe, this idea of, of working six in a, in a day of rest, a day of Sabbath. It's just woven into our, the fabric of our universe. And I'll tell you, if you break the rhythm, it will break you. It will break you. You, you can't get past it. Your body, you have to find rest. And so, Pastor, though, I can't. How do I maybe go to bed just a little bit earlier? That's all. Just a little earlier. But there's one more thing to do. That, that can wait till morning. There's always one more thing to do. Just go to bed just a little bit, a little bit earlier, you know. 
Maybe for you, it's during the day when you'd fill your mind with some more activity. No, no, shut the activity off. Close your eyes for 15 minutes. Just a little cat nap, you know? But there's always something to do. I know that. But you want to be doing it for a long time. Amen? For years and years and years. And so with it, it might be something to work. Man, I need to take that little, that little nap. You know, it may not be physical rest. It may be more like mental rest and just shut off the noise. Whatever that looks like. I, I am bad for this. I get in the car and I get on my phone and I make phone calls. And I'll make phone calls from the house to church and from the church to the next appointment and from the next appointment to, I can't stand that silence. Anybody else? Sinners, all of us. Is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. Is it best? It's not best. To never find that place of just rest, to mentally shut off the noise. The last couple of weeks, I've been trying this desperately, just to shut that off and let my mind rest. I'm going to get real open with you guys. Um, you know, for four and a half years, I worked a second job. And when I say that, some people are like, oh, momentum wasn't paying you enough so that you had to work a second job. No, no, it, it was a neat opportunity for me to be the church plant director of a movement. The Assemblies of God did allow momentum. And we helped a lot of churches get started over those four and a half years. And yes, they paid us, and that did allow momentum to pay me less so we could use finances in other areas of the church, which was awesome, okay? But it wasn't that you guys didn't want to take care of us. You know, you, you guys have taken care of us well for a long time now. But it was one of those things where this spring my board started pressing on me Ross we want you to just be full-time at the church you know they could tell I had kind of got a little unhealthy still working through through that they could tell that time was always a, a crunch with everything and they had me pray about it and in January they asked me pray about it and in February they said so did you pray about it and guess what I said no I mean, I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I just didn't. You know why I didn't pray? Because I didn't take time to. Just was doing what I had to do, you know. And so in February, they asked. And I, no, and then in March, they asked. And I literally, my answer was, I, I, I no. And I, and I likened it to, I don't quit anything. I'm not a quitter. I don't want to quit, you know. And I got a great class of, of potential planters right now. And I just don't want to quit on them, you know. And then in April, they leaned on me. And when they leaned on me in April... You know, that month of March, I really did pray. And the Lord began to show that it was time for that to end and time to focus on this house fully and, and, and et cetera. And so um, I gave my notice. It took until about middle of July. I think it was the third week of July before I finally was able to hand everything over and, um, and not be the director of that. Of that. And, um, and so my wife was excited. My board was excited. My staff was excited. Ross is going to have margin. This is awesome. But Ross is a workaholic. I'm an addict, you know. And um, one, of my, one of my staff sent me a picture this week of a, of a cell phone stuck in an arm, like a mainlining a cell phone in your arm, you know. It's just, if there's one more phone call to be made, because there's always a need. There's always something, right? And so um, with that, Amy was really discouraged because I ended that second job, and then the next month, the next four weeks, began to work more hours than I worked when I had the second job. Because there's always something to do. And I love our church. And with it, I felt like for a while I hadn't been able to do as much as I wanted to. You know? Because I like to be with people. And I like to, to know what's going on in people's lives. And so for those four weeks, I filled it with a bunch of appointments and a bunch of counseling and a bunch of phone calls. And, and I ended up filling every bit of margin up. And, um, and man, one day, Brantley came to me. And he goes, hey, coach. He always calls me coach. Hey, coach. He said, I've been thinking about your, your, your Sabbath. And he said, I think you're obeying the spirit of the, or the letter of the law, but you're not obeying the spirit of the law. And he's like, when do you take your day? And I'm like, well, you know, I go Thursday afternoon about 1230 to Friday. Okay, about 1230. He's like, yeah, but you leave your house at 6 on Thursday mornings. Well, okay. And he's like, well, so then you're working. And then what time do you come in on Fridays? Well, 12.30, and I get home about, about 7.15 or so. And he's like, okay, what day don't you work? And I'm like, I just told you, Thursday from 12.30 to Friday at 12.30. That's my, that's my Sabbath. And he goes, yeah, yeah, the, the, the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. And so he challenged me to think through that. And that was something to where I, I, like, I like the idea of being able to talk to somebody on Wednesday and say, yeah, I can get with you tomorrow. And if it's on Thursday, yeah, I can get with you tomorrow. 
And if it's on Friday, yeah, I can get with you tomorrow. On Saturday, yeah. You, you know, it's, I like that idea that I could be accessible seven days a week. Does that make sense? It made me feel good. I'll just be honest. It makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel like I'm a servant. It makes me feel like I'm doing something for God. All right? And so with that, over the last few weeks, been thinking through that, what that looks like, and decided, okay, that, that doesn't work. And so Friday, this, yes, this last Friday was my first day where Friday was my day off. That was awesome. Amen? Amen. So Friday was Sabbath, and that felt incredible. And so with that idea of rest, I'm having to learn this, and my staff is helping me, and I appreciate it. My board is helping me, and I appreciate them as well. Even though I bucket often, I'm learning. Amen? So that halt technique is a great place to start to become aware of our feelings and to take responsibility for them and to take action to make ourselves feel better. That's wonderful. Um, and you, you've got to notice when it comes to this idea of dealing with stress, the mind-body connection is an important skill to be able to learn in order to manage our feelings in healthy ways and to begin to live happier and more peaceful lives. That, that mind-body connection. You've got to slow down and ask, am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? What's going on here, you know? Got to be able to ask those things. And, and here's the thing with, 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 with Elijah. Let's look at verse 9. Elijah goes back into it. He ministers those 40 days. He's running. He's doing. He's going. And in verse 9, he came to a cave, and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He's back at this again. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even only I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And so when it comes down to it, he's like, I'm doing a good thing. I'm standing strong. Nobody else is, but I am. This is what he's saying. And he's finding himself back in this cave again. And again, I thank God that he always, God will show up in the midst of that cave and speak to you. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before This is going to move us into this area of being in the presence of God. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind, say strong, tore the mountains and broke them in pieces, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, say earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, fire, say fire. But the Lord is on the fire. I begin to think of that. Those are stressful situations. A wind, a tornado is very stressful. An earthquake is very stressful. A fire is very stressful. It's, it's tension. It's, it's awesome. It's powerful. It's mighty. But God, watch what it says here. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Just a place of rest, a place of quietness. God showed up in the midst of that. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. You have to understand, this is a, a, a Jewish imagery thing. So wrapping yourself in your cloak means that you're going into the presence of God. He, he's, he's taking his cloak, and he's wrapping that, that tallit around him, and he's going into that place of connection with God. And so it goes beyond us just being connected with what we're doing, but we also have to be connected with what God's desiring to do. He wraps his face in the cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice, and it said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And again, he just repeats, I've been jealous for the Lord. I've done all this work for you, God. And the Lord says to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king of Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Maholah, you will anoint to be prophet in your place. So I, wanna, I want us to look at this here. When, when you're seeing this, it, it made me think of, of, there's a gospel great that I love, Mar, Marvin Sapp, and he says, in spite of calamity, he still has a plan for me. I love that. You know, in spite of calamity, God still has a plan for me. And in spite of all the craziness neck on Elijah's head, God comes to him and speaks what's next. Not what Elijah thought he was supposed to do. Not what Elijah could try to produce on his own. Because he just wants to do more and do more and do more. And God comes and speaks to him what's next. And this is what's beautiful about it. God says to him, basically, there's an anointing for a new season. 
You're going to anoint a new king in Judah. You're going to anoint a new king in Israel. You're going to anoint someone to do ministry. And what's so neat is in my life coming up, I always saw that you're going to anoint somebody to do ministry in your stead. Because you messed up, Elijah. You didn't get it right. And so I'm going to bring somebody else, and you're going to anoint them. But that's not what it's saying. This is all talking about kingdom purpose. God is saying, you're going to destroy what I'm trying to do kingdom-wise if you keep going like this. You are going to destroy what God is trying to do in your family if you keep going like this. Listen, you're going to destroy what God's trying to do in your marriage if you keep going like this. What God's trying to do in your health if you keep going like this. Here's what's next. Here's this promise. God's coming to anoint what is in your life. Amen? Now, for me, that anointing definitely rests upon church ministry. I get that. But, man, I want that anointing on my finances. I want that anointing, that blessing of God on my marriage. Amen? Just like you ought to want that. And so God is coming to bring kingdom purposes at a whole nother level. So I don't know what your new season might look like, but I know what my new season needs to look like. Watch this. I love this. When I read this years ago, I always thought that this was a punishment. This was a way that God was going to bypass Elijah. But no, no, this was a reordering of Elijah's ministry. Next thing you know, he goes and he finds this young man. And and watch this. God even encourages him in verse 18. I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal. (laughs) In other words, you're not alone. There's a remnant. God's like, listen, Elijah, all that you think you have to do, I'm already doing it. You're not alone. And you're not alone today. No matter what you're going through, God sees that stress. And then it goes on down to verse 21, or 20, yeah, 21. And, and it says that he had anointed Elisha. And it says, then he arose and went after Elijah. Elisha went after Elijah and assisted him. Do you know how long they worked together? God wasn't done with Elijah. They did amazing things together. He assisted him for eight more years before God said, okay, it's time for Elijah to come home. And then Elijah got his reward, not punishment. He got to go to heaven. In a chariot of fire. That's a party. That's awesome. You know? I didn't bring wind. I didn't bring fire. I didn't bring an earthquake earlier. It was in a still small voice. But, oh, I'm bringing the wind the fire now. You know? This is a celebration of him going home. Isn't that cool? I never saw it that way. I think I always thought Elijah got punished. And so Elijah got to finish his job. No, no. God began to help Elijah through his his stress and through his depression and through his struggles and through all that. And God reordered some things. Why? So that the kingdom purposes of God could manifest there in Israel. And God is still wanting to reorder things in your life so the kingdom purposes of God will manifest in your house. And as a church, God is wanting to reorganize the kingdom purposes of this house so that the kingdom of purposes will manifest right here in this church. Amen? Amen, amen. And so with that, um, I'll just cover a few things. This is kind of a fireside chat. Is that okay if I do that? So with that, we had a, 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 a church consultant come in just to kind of help us get a good glimpse of who we are. And, and he asked me a question, and I thought it was a good question. He said, is Brantley your true second around here? Like, a, like does he kind of run the church, you know, and, and under you? And I'm like, no, not really. I mean, and he goes, don't you trust Brantley? Yeah, I trust Brantley. Is he not skilled? No, he's skilled. And so through a bunch of questions, he began to delve into my heart. And we come to the realization, I come from a very blue-collar background, okay? You know what blue-collar folk know how to do? Get in the trenches and work. That's what we do. We put How many was raised in a blue-collar background or a blue-collar area? Yeah, yeah. So, man, you get in the trenches, you go, you work. And I told him, as we were talking, we discovered that I'm a blue-collar guy. I just want to get in the trenches and work. That's who I am. I want to go shoulder-to-shoulder with everybody, always. You know? That's who I am. And I told him, I said, I feel very pretentious to have that second-in-command kind of a thing. You know what I mean? It's like, I just feel, it's weird to me. So we talked through that a little bit. And here was what his basic statement to me was, do you want to be the assistant pastor of the church, or do you want to be the lead pastor? Because as associate, that's what I did well for like 12 years, been an assistant now for thir- or lead for 13. As an associate, man, you get in the trenches, you just are constantly doing, 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 doing. That's what assistants do, that's what associates do. 
And this young man began, this, this consultant, I say young man, he's my age, he begins to explain, Ross, you love to be with your staff. You love to be with your people to the degree that you have no margin and you can't lead well. And I punched him in the throat. Three days we're with this guy, and all of a sudden to my team, I look and I go, guys, listen, I, I'm realizing something. I'm the bottleneck, you know? And I wasn't saying that to be a martyr. I literally realized, I'm the bottleneck. And he said, he goes, Ross, you have one of the flattest organizations I've ever seen. You know, there's you as pastor and then your team, your lead staff, flat. He goes, normally that's because the pastor is very controlling and a perfectionist. He goes, that's not the case. I've been with you guys for three days. That's not the case. He goes, for you, you just want to be with everybody. You, you, if, if somebody makes a hospital visit, you're going to go follow up later on to make a hospital visit. Not because you don't trust that they did a great job, but you want to be there too. I'm like, yeah, you know. You have a, a meeting, a creative meeting of some sort. I want to be there, you know. I just want to be shoulder to shoulder. And so he began to help us. And he said, Ross, he said, you've got to learn what it looks like to create margin so that you can dream, plan, develop your team, develop key leaders in the church so you can take that role. And guys, that role isn't a natural role for me. Coming and helping you move your house is. Just being quite honest, man. Blue collar, baby. That's, that's how I was raised. And so a few things that I've implemented to help with this through these meetings the last few weeks is that Friday Sabbath, that flat organizational structure, um, Pastor Brantley, man, you'll hear me say more often, you're going to have to ask Pastor Brantley. Amen? Okay, good. <clears throat> and, um, and, and Brantley, is that okay? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know? And then also, we, we, we've, we've done that, but we've also kind of created a, an executive leadership team as far as our staff goes. And so that's Pastor Brantley, myself, Stephanie, and, and Pastor Corey. And then all of our staff kind of flows out of those four leaders, myself and those three leaders. And so, so um, be praying for us. It's a kind of a little bit of a new restructuring of something. Like I said, we're always just like, man, we just do life together, ministry together, and trying to learn what this looks like is a pray for me, okay? And, um, and then the final thing is um, I have a, a phone number that is my staff board and my family's number. They, they can call me. That's the only number that they, that, that, you know. So if you need to get a hold of me, please call me. I want, please, please call me. It was a lonely week. <laughs> I'm just being honest. It was lonely. Um, but with that, you know, call the church office. They'll get things to me. We'll, we'll work this out. We're going to learn this together, okay? And, um, and, 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 and there'll be some more able ways to be accessible and such. Again, this is even, it's just weird for me to even talk about it. But this was something to where I was learning how to deal with stress, find margin, so I can lead you well. Amen? So pray for your pastor as I figure this out, and I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to stop being that people pastor. That's my heart. Amen? But i got to learn what it looks like to have margin to lead our house well. And so be praying for me. And so let's get back to looking at the stress that, that you guys may be going through. And so if we're going to have any chance, let's stand to our feet as we close Philippians chapter 4. If we're going to have any chance of escaping stress, I said we have to get in tune to ourselves Number one, but if we're going to have any chance of escaping stress, we've got to get in tune with our creator. Amen? Only with yourself is humanism, and it will only... You need the convictor to show up. You need the, the, the deliverer to show up. For me, it's been a fight since January on this very issue, and I'm only now starting to allow God to have victory in my life in this. I need him to show up to continue to help me live this and figure this out. Amen? And so what it says in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, that, that hunger, that anger, that loneliness, that, 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 that need for rest, you being tired, you let that be known to God. You deal with that in the presence of the Lord. And then it says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And I'm just going to be honest. This just popped in my mind, and this is more personal, but I had a pastor tell me years ago, Ross, what made you a good associate pastor will hold you back as a lead pastor. And I discounted it. I was like, no, no, I have it figured out. This is how you do it. 
You just make yourself so accessible, period, to everybody, all the time, any moment, any day, day, night, all the time. That's how you do it. And I, and I discounted his words over my life. And I've realized through the years, wait, that is a, a peace that comes from God that surpasses my understanding. I don't know how I give this church to the Lord and I allow my team to excel. And they allow their journey group leaders and ministry team leaders to excel. And all those different ones that we're connected to excel. And somehow God uses that to bring health to our body. I don't get that. I don't. I get, Pastor, come to me quick. I'm on my way. I get that. I get that. This is a peace that passes understanding. God, I don't know how you're going to use this to bring peace. You know the word peace is shalom. It means the lack of, 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 of the, 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 it's, it's the absence of lack. And when Moses was a mess, his, his father-in-law Jethro said, what you're doing is going to kill you, Moses. You got to allow others to do so that the people can go home in peace is what it says. In other words, they can go home with their needs met. I'm tired of being the bottleneck to this house. And I apologize to you as your pastor for holding back, who knows, leadership development and other people's lives. It might be that I've held that back. But I know this, I give it to God and I know that his peace that passes all understanding is going to guard my heart and my mind. And his shalom, his peace is going to be on this house. And you're going to be able to go home with his peace. Amen? Amen. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. Lord God, I ask that you this week as we enter the word of God in chapter 4, that you would use every day as we read that, that you would use that in our lives as we pull away time with you in mind, God, as we pull away. Father God, I thank you that this, this whole series, we've been able to go to the Spotify playlist and listen to worship. Lord, this week, as we escape stress, as we go to that playlist and we listen to worship, and as we get into the environment of your word and your presence, show up, God, and bring us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.